Okay, my script, I said I was going to do that for 90 seconds. Um, I got to 30. <laughs> Is anyone uncomfortable? Was that uncomfortable for anybody? Like, I, I was very uncomfortable. I don't know about you. Um, <laughs> I, my name is Jeff. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor here at Blue Mountain Community Church. And <laughs> I, at first glance, <clears throat> that is not the most encouraging piece of scripture, right? Uh, that last line, haven't you made us miserable long enough? Uh, that kind of sucks the air out of the room a little bit, right? <laughs> and then I, I didn't just swoop in, right, as you would expect the pastor to do after something like that is said. Uh, we just sat here. I stood up here like a fool pretending to start to speak for 30 seconds, uh, hoping that somehow I could wait a little bit <laughs> longer. Uh, the poor people joining on Zoom probably thought their app was working wrong, and they quit out and came back in. I don't know. But here's the thing that I, that I hope that you could take away from that, that little 30 seconds of discomfort. And I think that you already know this, but now you have felt it today. Waiting is hard right? Like waiting is an uncomfortable experience. In that 30 seconds, I probably, if I was sitting out here, would have looked around awkwardly. What do we do? I would have maybe leaned over to my wife and made a comment or perhaps even, heaven forbid, pulled out my phone and checked my notifications. What do we do when we're waiting, right? Anything other than just awkwardly sitting there, <laughs> Waiting just feels like a big old waste of time. And I mean, I don't know if you're like this, but I will go to great lengths to avoid waiting. Whether it's using my phone to distract me or it's you know, scheduling things in advance so that I can skip standing in line or changing the way that I drive to a certain place so I don't have to sit in traffic or just avoiding the city in general for that very reason. There are all kinds of things that I think we do to avoid waiting. Because time is important right? It's a finite resource. We, we want to get the most out of the little bit that we have. So when it feels like it's slipping through our fingers, when it feels like we're not getting the most out of it, we very quickly begin to feel uncomfortable or even sometimes frustrated, don't we? Yeah. If you're not aware, this Sunday, today is the first Sunday in a season in the church calendar called Advent. And while that word, Advent, is often used interchangeably with the word Christmas, like Christmas and Advent, we kind of think it's all just the same thing, it's actually not quite the same. See, Christmas is all about this amazing miracle that happens when Jesus comes to be with us, right? That manger scene, that the God with us moment, right? Advent is the season of waiting or of preparing, getting ready for that miracle of Christmas. And, and this is my conviction. I'm, I'm really convinced that actually the waiting, the season of longing, the building of anticipation, and the preparing of our hearts makes the amazing beauty of Christmas stand out even better but we just want to rush all the way into Christmas, right? And I, I think this is a thing that our society just generally does. It's not just the church. It's not just us. Like, and it's not only with Christmas. Has anyone else noticed this? Like, it feels like every holiday season started a week earlier than they used to this year. When I went to the, you know, go to the store, like as soon as Labor Day was over, I started noticing Halloween things out and about in the stores. And we, we you know, it was out, so we bought candy 
but we like bought it so early that we had time to eat all of it before Halloween. So we had to go back and buy more. Like it's a good chat, like a good technique, right? <laughs> good sales strategy. Um, but then I remember as soon as Remembrance Day had passed, maybe even before in some cases, it was Christmas in every store. Every place that I went to, even in my home, it seemed to have happened somehow. I come home one day, and all of a sudden, there's a garland down my staircase in the entryway. I look up, and there's mistletoe hanging from the light fixture. It's like, it's not, it's not even December yet. Now it's finally December. Now it's okay to put up your decorations. I give you permission. Um, <laughs> but we get, we get so excited, right? We get so excited about Christmas, about the beauty of Christmas, the wonder of the season, and we just want to skip to that good part, Right? We love Christmas. It's awesome. It's one of the most important holidays in the Christian calendar. Of course we want to celebrate it. But I do think that there is some value for us as a church to avoid skipping the line. To be people who walk through Advent so that our hearts are actually prepared to receive the gift of Jesus at Christmas. Now, that's all well and good to say, and it's nice words, and it sounds good. But what what does that actually look like for us to do that, to walk through Advent to Christmas? And this is where I think there's actually a lot of wisdom in in the room today that might be able to help us with this. See, our our kids are upstairs joining us for our, for our service today. I think that our kids might have some wisdom for us to share. So I'm wondering, I'm looking around at some of our kids, some of our youth. Uh, do you guys, would you guys be willing to help me with this a little bit? Just, you don't have to come up here. Just going to ask some questions. You can shout out some answers. Is that all right? Yeah, we've got some thumbs high. Anybody? Thumbs high? Yeah? No? Maybe? <laughs> no one? No? No? Yeah? All right, I've got one. Perfect. We're good. <laughs> all right. So I have something here. What is, now, now I have your attention. <laughs> what is this? Can you tell? Can you tell from here? It's not the brightest paper. It's a box. It is, in fact, there's a Christmas tree on this side. There's a, something that looks like what this is on this. There's a little gingerbread man over here. What is it? Is it a present? This is a Christmas present. Yes, it's a Christmas present. If it had been under the tree, it would have made so much more sense for everyone. It's a Christmas present. And I'm just, I'm just curious, so if you saw this show up in your house, if this showed up under the tree in your house, how would you feel? What would you be feeling? Excitement. Yeah, there'd be excitement. Did I hear that I'd be feeling like I want to open it? Did somebody say that? <laughs> yeah. That's, so that's, that's excitement. It's also maybe there's some curiosity is one of those feelings then. What is it? Right? There's, a, there's some anticipation perhaps in that. And, you know, if it was me, if it was in my home, I would probably, that excitement and that curiosity would lead me to maybe go over and see if there was a tag. Did you do that when you were a kid? You'd be like, is this one for me or my sister? That's, that's step one of the curiosity process we go their tag there? Okay. All right. Yeah. So say it was for you. So you find out this is for you. Then what happens? Then what do you do? Do you, maybe when nobody's looking, maybe you kind of grab it. Do one of those. Anybody? Was anyone a gift shaker? Yeah. Yeah. We got some thumbs up. Um, maybe you're kind of gauge the weight of it a little bit. What's it? Oh man. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. Maybe. Is, are there any, are there any paper peekers? In the room, don't, con- you know, you know, you just, 
peel a little bit, see if there's, put it back down, you know, like nobody saw it, nice and, <laughs> I'm not, I hope I'm not giving anyone ideas, uh, any of the kids' ideas. <laughs> um, but it's this, you have these feelings, right, this mix of curiosity, of excitement, of some anticipation. And it, um, you, sorry. Uh, so we, we've all, you know, we've done these things, right? We've been excited, we've seen a gift, and we've thought about it, and we've examined it, and we've spent time anticipating it. But at the end of that, all, all that's done, maybe you're excited, maybe you're curious. If you're a grown-up, maybe you even have a little bit of anxiety, because like, perhaps you were hoping for something, but maybe this won't be that. You get that anxiety. It's more of a grown-up feeling, I think, in terms of Christmas gifts. Um, <laughs> children, it's just pure joy. Um, and we've been hopeful, right? We've been hopeful that this is the thing we're longing for. We examine, we pick it up, we shake it, we try to feel it, to look under the wrapping paper, perhaps. But at the end of that all, we take it, we take our box, and we put it back under the tree, right? And then we wait for Christmas. That's what we do at the end of all of that. And then on Christmas morning, after the waiting, we get to open it up and see. Or if you're Dutch, it's Christmas Eve, I think. I was always jealous of the Dutch kids in school. They got a day early, opened their Christmas gifts. <laughs> but that, that particular cocktail of feelings that we're talking about, feelings and actions, the curiosity, the anticipation, the actions that go along with it, the examination, the thinking, maybe it fills your thoughts, your imagination starts to sparkle a little bit, you're dreaming, what could this thing be? That is Advent. That's what we're aiming at as we prepare ourselves for Christmas. So when you came to church this morning, you might have been expecting, like it's December, you might have been expecting Christmas up here, right? Trees decked out, we would sing carols, there'd be poinsettias everywhere, right? But I hope, I hope that you're willing to join me, join our congregation, instead of join our kids, instead of jumping all the way to Christmas, of actually walking through Advent. So, so this will build, right? So this week, we have trees. That's good. They're not decorated yet. That's going to come. We're going to work towards that. We're going to build towards We're going to journey towards that. Um, there's no poinsettias. Next week, I promise, there'll be at least one poinsettia. You have my word, <laughs> right? We're going to build this anticipation. We're going to prepare ourselves. We're going to allow our imaginations to grow, but we're not going to rush to the finish line. We're going to sit in the necessary waiting, letting the ideas and feelings of anticipation fill our minds and hearts and build and build as we get closer and closer to the day of arrival. And I mean, maybe, maybe if we do this really well, we could actually experience the joy, the beauty, the wonder and awe of Christmas like kids, right? Chris, like a kid on Christmas morning, like perhaps we could, we could be invited into that if we allowed ourselves that waiting, that preparing. Maybe we could experience that when it rolls around because we've walked through that waiting and longing because we decided not to skip the line. So Advent is a season of waiting and longing, and it's also a time of preparation. And one of the ways that we prepare our hearts is by the examination of a few themes as we get ready for Christmas. This week, you have probably noticed in beautiful chalk art, we have the word hope. We also had a candle lit earlier by Catherine and Liam with a reading about hope. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Appreciate that. 
Hope is the theme of our first week of Advent. In the passage of Scripture that we have, which was Isaiah chapter 64, the whole chapter, at first glance, it doesn't, it doesn't read like it has a whole lot of hope, right? Like, if you, if you think about hope, hope is a, is a happy thing, isn't it? Probably. It's something positive. Hope doesn't start with asking God to come and bring destruction, like this passage does. That doesn't really sound like hope to me, necessarily. In my head, hope doesn't also conclude by saying, haven't you made us miserable long enough? It's probably not, I wouldn't characterize that as the most hopeful statement. But actually, I think the idea of hope as a simple, happy thing that we carry with us in the various situations of our lives deeply mischaracterizes what hope really is. One of my favorite theologians, I think one of the greatest theologians in the 1900s, was a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he has this quote, and he was speaking about Advent. He's got this quote on Advent. But I think that it applies not only to Advent, but also specifically to this first week of Advent. This first week of Advent and the theme of hope. This is what he said. He said, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and here's the, here's the crux, he says, and who look forward to something greater to come. Right, I'm going to read that again. The celebration of Advent, that's to say participating in a season of expectant longing, a season of hope, is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. Here's the thing that I think we sometimes miss about hope. Hope can only exist in places of uncomfortable waiting. That's what, that's what Bonhoeffer is saying about Advent. We can only hope if we are willing to acknowledge that what we have right now isn't satisfying, right? Because our hope is for something other than what currently is. If we're, if we're troubled, if we're aware of our poverty, of our imperfection, and this is where he turns to hope, if we, if then we allow ourselves to look forward to, to dream of something greater to come. That's when it turns from just despair into hope. If we're at the finish line, if we jump all the way to the end, there's nothing to hope for. It's here, right? Why? Are you still hoping if you already have it? <laughs> no, hoping is intricately, intricately tied up in the experience of waiting. Actually, the words in Hebrew that are translated as hope, they carry the gloss, or they can, they can also be translated to mean wait. The words are yachal and kavah. And, and we see them in stories like Noah's Ark. So Noah's Ark, the rains have stopped, but the waters are still high, and Noah needs the yachal for the waters to recede. He needs to wait or hope for the waters to recede. Or we see them in various prophetic texts where it'll talk about how farmers yahal and keva for the rains to come and for their crops to grow. And if their rains have come, they're not hoping for rain, they're here, right? They already have it. Hoping is inextricably tied to waiting so much that we, we translate the words either as hope or as wait. Kids are so good at this, right? Christmas is such a great example. They're just brimming with all kinds of hope. There is so much to be excited for, so much to be longing for, so much potential good just over the horizon. But for adults, it can be harder, right? 
when we've experienced the pain of unmet expectation, when we've had our hopes dashed, the wounds can make it difficult to hope again. But as Christians, we're called to be hopeful people. So how do you think we do this? If hope isn't a trite, think happy thoughts, simple thing that people sometimes imagine hope is, if it's something more bold, something more courageous, then how do we actually hope? Well, here is where we come to our surprising passage of Scripture, which shows a picture of hope in hardship. The Scripture was Isaiah 64, and I think that in it, we get to see kind of, um, we get to like kind of cut in and like peel back and get into, like to, to take a look at the anatomy of hope as it's actually being lived in a person. So I won't, I won't read, read the whole thing, but let's take a look at it because there's a, there's a pattern here. It starts off by saying, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. The passage begins with an expression of longing right? Oh, would you just please, would you do this? They're looking forward, right? They're longing for something, which, something other than the place that they're at, which in this passage is Babylonian exile, which is a very, very bad place to be. This is what we call longing, looking to a future that is different from the present. After longing for a future that's changed, they then, in verse 3, they say, For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Now, maybe you notice the repetition here. In their longing, they talked about the mountains trembling, about God coming down. Now, they're saying, for when you did awesome things. So they've stopped looking forward, looking forward to the, the whole thing that they're longing for, and they've started to look backwards to look backwards to when he did, when God did awesome things, when he came down and the mountains trembled before him, when they looked back, they asked that the God would come and the mountains would tremble. Now they're remembering the God who came and how the mountains trembled. They go on. So there's, this, there's a looking forwards and there's a looking back that's happening. And they go on. They continue remembering, writing about the greatness of God who acts on behalf of those who wait for him, those who hope for him. They remember his character. They remember the good things that he'd done for people in the past, but their mind starts to turn. Then they remember their sins. They're brought back into the present. They remember the situation that they're in, the, the brokenness of where they are, the place they find themselves, and they move back to their discontent and forwards into their longing again. You, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. They're remembering again that he's good now. And then very quickly, don't be angry beyond measure. Don't remember our sins forever. Please, looking forward to a future that's different than the present. We could go on like this. I'll stop there. But, but do you see the pattern? There's a tension that's being formed between looking forwards and longing and looking backwards and believing, remembering goodness and, and pulling that goodness forward to fuel the hope that things could be different. Anyone remember our Hebrew words for hope? I only said them like twice. Anyone? Yahal and keva. Keva is a word picture. Really cool. So the prefix kav means a cord or a rope. 
And there's a picture that it evokes, right? There, there's this, I've got a, this isn't a rope, but it's an elastic, right? So there's this picture it evokes. It's like a rope. This is what hope is like. This is the word for hope. It's like a rope that's being pulled, right? And you pull, and you pull, and you pull, and there's that tension that builds up, right? And I don't know if anyone in the, in the room is like, like kind of like when you're blowing up a balloon, if you're starting to get a little anxious almost. It's pulling and pulling, and when, when might it happen? When might that snap? When might the tension be released, right? Hope is that moment, the tension. Living in the tension between the goodness that we've seen and using that goodness that we have seen, that remembering to believe forward that things could be good, that God could come, that a Savior could come and change the middle spot that we're in. Hope is living in that tension in the middle. In the season of Advent, we join with these Old Testament writers in a time of hoping for something more. We remember the way that they waited and waited and waited for a Savior to come. But it's not all just a thought experiment for us, right? Jesus did come, which we then remember in our current season, and we continue to long forwards, right? Continue to long forwards, remembering all of these stories of our Old Testament of God's faithfulness in the midst of hardship, as well as the Christ who came. And then we believe forward to the God who will come again. Yeah? That's living in that space. That is our hope. That's the thing that we carry in our hearts. And then we put it back under the tree <laughs> and we wait. We sit in anticipation and expectation, and we pray and we long and we remember. That's the invitation of Advent. The, the recognizing the ways that we are troubled, poor, and imperfect to look forward to something greater to come. And Christians do embody this, right? Like in a time when, especially for young people, there is so much despair, we have a reason for hope. We are part of a story. We have a heritage as Christians that allows us to believe forward that things could be more. I mean, I see this. For example, for example, people of faith have more children than those who don't have faith because we have a deep source of hope, right? We, we believe that there is a future where God comes and sets things right. We have hope for a next generation and a next generation that a God who has been faithful will continue to be faithful. And so in spite of all of the messages of despair, there's hope that we get to carry. There's another one. Christians are, you know, people of faith are also prone to be, statistically we're prone to be more generous. Why? Well, because scarcity isn't the final word for us, right? We have a hope. Why is it that we're called to forgive? We do that as well, out of hope that things that are broken can be made right. And I think all of this hoping that we are called to live into relies deeply on the work of remembering. 
without remembering, without, without longing, sorry, without remembering, the longing of here and now very quickly turns into despair, right? So if we're sitting in the here and now and we look forward and we long for it to be different, but we have nothing to remember upon to say it could be different, our hope turns to despair. But, but in the work of remembering, we're able to cling to hope even in the midst of great hardship. And I think that's part of the reason that Jesus commanded us to remember, to regularly gather together and take part in a physical action to remember who he is and what he is like, to remember that we have a God who is good and who is love and who is willing to die for us so that we could be set free, a God who came to be with us and who will not abandon us even to the ends of the earth, even if it meant dying for us. Today, as we reflect on the meaning of hope, we are in, and as we're invited to step into hope together, we have a beautiful opportunity to participate in this physical action of remembering Jesus and what he did for us through communion. We're going to do that today. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.